Thanks, Raul. Good morning, church. Will you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this community, this time, this space. Uh, Open us up to the revelation of your scripture in our lives as your people. We want to hear you again, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome everyone. James 5, it's our last sermon in this series. Uh, And message today is called Power to Persevere. The Power to Persevere. And in this final chapter, James is going to just help align us with some key words to end on. Um, words to give us strength and ability to persevere in difficult times. Um, how, he's encouraging us. Like, how are you going to find hope when things feel impossible? Where will you go in times of both beauty and destruction to hold your lives together? He's, he's saying to his church, like, hey, I've got some last things I want you to know. In verse 7 of chapter 5, he says, be patient, my beloved people. He's very pastoral in this passage. He's encouraging his dispersed church, like, hold on, I'll see you on the other side. It's a beautiful passage, actually. And as we get started, I just want to I want to ask you this question. If you had some final words to say to the people you love before going away for a while, what would you say? For James, he says two things. He says patience and prayer will be gateways to the fruitful life of faith. Patience and prayer. And he's talked a lot about what to do in James. And today, in James 5, he says, and this is how you'll do it. Faith will make you wait And faith will ask you to pray. And in these things, James saying, you're like seeds in a field planted by the master gardener. You will be okay. You will grow. You'll survive. Like verse 18 of James 5, the earth producing crops. So James just has this final word to his people. Don't give up hope. Don't give up on each other. Don't rush the process. Faith takes patience. And let me end you, says James, with these really powerful reminders about perseverance, which is the result of a faith based on a God bigger than any circumstance we face. Like Elijah, like Job, he'll talk about it. It's easy to say, God, give me perseverance. God, give me power. But both of these things, perseverance and power, are really gifts based on the process of patience and prayer. And so today, we're just going to have a very simple outline that prayer and patience are the two vital pieces to a living faith. Today, James says, I want to teach you how. So let's start here at the beginning. Patience yields perseverance. And this is the first part I want to teach you from James 5, verses 7 through 11. James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, my beloved people, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Ah, this is one of my least favorite parts in the life of faith. Waiting, or as what does Tom Petty say, say, waiting is the hardest part, right? But in these first five verses that I'll be teaching from 7 through 11, if you look through verses 7 through 11, it says, patient, wait, patiently waiting, be patient, do not grumble, patience, perseverance, perseverance. Like the, it's littered with these reminders, these final words to his people. And, and it's like James is saying, this will be a key thing to sustain you in the life of the season ahead. It, this word that we translate 
passion, I'm sorry, patience, patience in the Greek is this Greek word makrothomeo. It means to bear a heavy load for a long time, to be long-suffering, to be patient, to endure. And then it, it creates the second word that he'll talk about, hupomone, which means to patiently endure. Or as Romans 5 says, real faith displays this patience endurance. Perseverance is the fruit born of patience, and patience takes time. And the thing with patience and endurance is that it means we're going to go through some stuff. It means we will suffer. It means that there'll be times that we want things to speed up. And God says, in the waiting, I'll have something for you to discover. I wish this wasn't so. I wish James gave us like some other key thing here right at the end, like exciting, excitement, or you know, joy, but he's not. He's like, patience, it's key for the life of faith, patience. Remember in chapter one, looking all the way back to James chapter one, he said, consider it a blessing when you suffer. So James now comes full circle. He's encouraging his people. He's reminding them, we will suffer. We will face difficulties. And so the seemingly ironic thing about perseverance is it isn't actually tested until you need to draw upon its resources. Like, you can know that difficulty will come, but until you're in it, you don't know how difficult it is to have patience. And this is a word for somebody in the church today. This is a word for marriages, for people that want to be in a relationship, for kids that want to grow up, for adults that want to be kids again, for anyone who's struggling to have patience right now. James is saying, in the patience is where your faith can grow and sustain you. It's funny we don't talk more about patience in the church because it's integral to those who really want to follow Jesus, disciples. And there's a lot in the scriptures about patiently waiting, about how things grow from patiently waiting. Consider Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, he heard my cry. Romans 8, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And so it's fitting for us right now, like have patience because we can't see the future and we can't hold on to hope at times we can't see, but we can have patience. Patience will create in us a deeper faith and knowledge of the God who is powerful in our lives. Or as John 13, 7 says from Jesus, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. It's a promise. So Christians wanting to have the yield of a powerful faith, we must have patience. And it's much easier to tell you at home on the camera to have patience than to practice myself. But all week long, God's been kind of rubbing my nose in an event. Scott, be patient, be patient, be patient. It's tough. I want the fruit of perseverance. I'll need to exert patience. That's what James says. Consider the life of Job. He says this in verse 11 of James 5. He exegetes himself. He says, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion. The Lord is full of mercy. I love it. He says, verse 11, we count as blessed those who have persevered, those who have been patient. Because God is full of mercy. 
do you, Bethany North, do you count it a blessing when you have to exert patience for God to move, to see a breakthrough, to experience fruitfulness? I often don't. James is changing the narrative. He's like, patience doesn't mean we just sit quietly and say like, oh, I guess I should just wait. No, he says, consider Job who experienced perseverance. Hupomone, the Greek word. Like Job would, had the most sustained dialogue and kind of lament in the face of what he was experiencing. But James is saying, that's what patience looks like. You stay engaged. You stay in the game. You stay in the fight. And it is okay to raise your voices to the Lord and say, this doesn't feel good. It's still patience. Patience is not like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to hurt right now. No, consider Job. This is the reminder, says James. Stay. Don't walk away. Don't give up. And believe that by staying in what God has told you to stay with, your patience is growing you. We count as blessed those who have persevered. So I've got a challenge for you. May you see the issue of this day or this week. Can I challenge you, church? Would you see that as an opportunity for your patience to grow? Could you see it as an opportunity for your faith to grow? Psychologists call this a growth mindset, that, that those that persist in difficulty have a growth mindset. Christians should have a growth mindset. Remember what Jesus said, I'm the tree, you're the fruit. We must grow. And growth happens when we have patience in the midst of difficult, not days even, but seasons. So we must exert patience if we want the fruit of perseverance. We must exert patience if we want the fruit of perseverance. We all want the fruit, but to get to it like the farmer, we'll need to wait. Patience is God's people's trusting and staying in the promises of God. Historically, this week I was looking for examples of this, and I was reminded of the amazing uh, black American story of George Washington Carver. Now, I didn't know a ton about him, so I was studying about this, like, people that have patience in difficult times and how they saw something grow in their life. George Washington Carver, who came to faith in Jesus at age 10, his faith was a hallmark, as was his scientific legacy. George Washington Carver was born into slavery in Missouri before it was outlawed. His father died in an accident before he was born. When he was baby, he and his mother and sister were kidnapped by slave raiders and taken to Kentucky. He was rescued back. It was said he was castrated at a young age. This man suffered greatly. But after slavery was abolished and he was allowed to live with his former slave owners as a free person, he patiently sought out what God would do in his life. He became known as this scientist and in time a plant doctor. It was incredible. Later he was taken in by a black couple, Andrew and Mariah Watkins, who themselves had waited for God to bring them a natural birth baby and they didn't get it. And so they fostered George Washington Carver. And it's there that he learned about Jesus' love and mercy for him. And then he put himself through high school and admitted to college. He ended up being the first black graduate from Iowa State University. He went on to teach at Tuskegee University in Alabama. Like an incredible legacy. He he traveled the world speaking scientifically. And the hallmarks of his faith was a trust in Jesus and a patience to watch things grow. And that's how he taught the world. He had like 300 discoveries about botany and this whole legacy. But very incredible. The, The point If we want the fruit of perseverance, we've got to be patient. Secondly, 
I want to talk about prayer. But James says this is the second key thing that will sustain you in the life of faith. Prayer yields power. He says here in verse 13 through 17 of James 5, he says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That verse 16 I would be a verse I would ask all of our church to commit to memory. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It says Job here, as he's giving these final words to his church that's dispersed, he's like, prayer is the gateway to the life of success and power that you desire. It's prayer. He gets very practical for his dispersed church. Is anyone in trouble? Pray. Anyone happy? Pray songs of praise. If you're sick, pray. He's like, prayer is the gateway, church. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It's mighty. It's effective. And in this way, James is kind of giving this key practice to sustain the life of faith in his church. He's like, power will come from prayer, to be healed, to have hope, to give praise. Prayer is the gateway to it all. We pray because God is powerful, and prayer reminds us of the power within us. Richard Foster says this. He says, prayer brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. To pray is to change. So we know that, but then church, I want to just be kind of the voice of James in your life. What are your practices of prayer? Are you, are, you, are you in a life of prayer where you are showing up to be with the Lord, to be reminded of his great prayer power? The challenge for so many of us is that our prayer life is rather ineffective. Richard Foster explains this too. He says, in our efforts to pray, it's easy for us to be defeated right at the outset Because we've been taught that everything in the universe is already set. And so things cannot be changed. And if things cannot be changed, then why pray? We may gloomily feel this way, but the Bible does not teach that. The Bible prayers prayed as if if their prayers could make an objective difference. We're told to change the world by prayer. Or as Paul said, we are co-laborers with God for the outcomes of Christ in the world. And then James says, consider Elijah. Elijah, in verse 17, Elijah, James 5, verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So James kind of lays out, here's some qualities of an effective prayer life. First, prayer is effective. Like, we must believe that our prayer is real and it changes things. Our prayer should be fervent. We should pray often. And he reminds us we should be righteous. Like, don't block what God wants to do in us because we're messing around with sin. So are we praying with belief? Are we praying with just routine? Our prayer life is as powerful as we believe God is. And so do your prayers show that kind of power? Maybe a question for you in your house church, or your family, your roommates, like when was a time that a prayer came true that you asked God for? And how did you experience the impact of that? It's hard to keep asking God in prayer when we haven't seen God move, but every one of us can look back and remember prayers do get answered. 
God is powerful. God does long to hear our prayers and move in our lives. But to point one, we're going to have to be patient with how God decides to move. That's what's challenging with this text. (laughs) James is like, be patient and pray like crazy. It's like, which is it? He's like, both. This will sustain you in the life ahead. Because prayer is to be vulnerable with the Lord and to say, I still hope you'll move in this specific way. But I'm going to trust you, God, for when you decide to move. I read recently someone said that God uses people he trusts. And he trusts people he knows. And he knows those who spend time in prayer. That has challenged me. So if you want to experience the power of God, God's asking you to spend time in prayer with him. I'll close with a story. I was reading this other book recently, and it was about this group of Chicago college students in 1940 that went to the childhood home of John Wesley. Uh, They were traveling through England, and they went to John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. And there in John Wesley's house, in what's said to be his bedroom, there was two divots in the ground where it was said that John Wesley would pray for hours every day. Literally, the wood floor had divots. As the college students were loading up in the bus to continue on with the tour, they couldn't find one of the people, one of the kids, one of the students. So they checked downstairs. He's not there. They checked in the past, you know. Finally, someone thinks to look upstairs in John Wesley's bedroom, and there's the missing student on his knees, hands outstretched, knees in the same divots of John Wesley, and crying out to the Lord, do it again, God. Do it again. Do you love that story? Who was that young man on his knees in the space of John Wesley? A young man from Chicago named Billy Graham. And it was said of Billy Graham, like more than like traveling the world and the hundreds of thousands of people that came to faith because of his words, he was marked with this incredible capacity to spend time with God in prayer. So this is is the promise that as we practice patience, and we show up to God in prayer, that we'll experience the fruitfulness. We'll we'll, we'll experience, says James, that perseverance like Job. We'll experience that power like Elijah, but more than the gifts, James arms his people here at the end of James with some really key and simple practices. Be patient in the midst of struggles and difficulties, even as you make complaints or speak to the Lord about what hurts. And be people of prayer, that you would be asking God in faith to continue to do powerful things, that you would have the audacity in faith to say, Lord, do it again. That's in prayer what we declare, that God is powerful. And I'll confess to you, church, as we just kind of wrap this up, at times as a survivor of grief myself, it's difficult because I know that life is hard and I know that not every prayer I've asked God to move, certainly I don't, oh, that one, you know, it doesn't work like that, that every prayer gets answered, but still we must pray and we must believe that God is powerful even and especially after our hearts have been broken to show up to God to say, I still believe that you're a powerful God. It's a very key word for me right now. As your pastor coming out of COVID, we don't have a location to worship in. We're like trying to do this thing, that, that you'll have to listen to the all church, you know, kind of state of Northing. Because, man, we're trying to, to regather and to bring people together, and it's been difficult. And God's like, keep patient and keep praying. 
and know that I'm not done with you yet. So these two key practices for us to remember at this specific time, patience and prayer for us, the people of Bethany North. Will you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this little book and its big, powerful impact. We thank you for the word last week given, draw near to you, God, and you will always draw near to us. And then, God, you just remind us at the close of James that we are meant to be patient when we struggle, when we face difficulties. So God, would you speak that word of patience over people that are just hanging on listening to this message, for people who are struggling, for people who want to give up, for people who want to walk away from the faith, from this community, from relationship. God, speak that word, patience, over their life. And God, would you mark this community more than the buildings we own, which are none, more than the thousands that come to services or whatever. None of that matters, God. Would you mark us as a people that really prayed in belief that you would do it again, that you would be the God of power and presence, that you would, you would just shower your light into our lives, create in us, God, a place we're not ready to declare yet, but make us a praying church, God, that we ask in faith, Right now, even as we pray, make us a praying church for your glory, for your power, for your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's close with worship.